0: Against the Odds Celebrating those who have conquered in the face of adversity with Philip Anderson
1: What's your favourite flower?
2: Hello, my name is Anna and my favourite flower is hydrangeas Hi, my name is Alison Dunlop and my favourite flower is a peony Hello, my name's Jessica, my favourite flower is the sunflower Uh
1: and there'll be more of your favourite flower recordings later in the podcast. Hello, this is Philip Anderson, broadcasting from the Against the Old studios in Newcastle, Underline. A very warm welcome to this next episode in a series of podcasts, Surviving M.E., with my guest, Dr. Rebecca Williams-Dimsdale. Today, Sunflower Joy, growing for therapy.
2: There is something so utterly liberating about having fingers in soil and putting something so minuscule and then seeing the possibilities of it. And to see bulbs that you can put in the earth and they go through all that darkness and endurance and freezing weather and yet, and they come up, the snowdrops come, the frailest, the most beautiful, the most resilient, and they come at the hardest time of life.
0: Against the Odds. Celebrating those who have conquered in the face of adversity, with Philip Anderson.
1: What is it with our obsession with flowers? What motivates us to want to be around them, plant them? Well, for all sorts of reasons, I suppose. It's possible you may just want to introduce a splash of colour to an already colourless garden or home. Or you enjoy being outdoors, at one with nature. Or in the case of my guest, Dr Rebecca Williams-Dinsdale, you enjoy planting for therapeutic reasons. Well, it stands to reason, according to some botanists, plants comprise healing powers that are known to have cured people of various physical illnesses. So logic would dictate that they may also comprise components that can help improve a person's mental health. Well, according to a study of American florists, it found that being around flowers can improve mood, reduce stress levels and improve mental health and have far-reaching benefits for those living with long-term chronic illnesses as well as in the case of my guest. Now, Dr Rebecca, you've been planting sunflowers for over 20 years now. It's something you started doing at the height of your fight against the debilitating symptoms of myalgic encephalitis, a condition with which you've been living now for over 30 years. And today, we're going to be finding out what you've learned from the experience of planting sunflowers and what you feel we can take away from your experience as well. But just going back to sunflowers, I've learned that they are meant to be easy to plant. And at this point, I can hear people screaming at their smart speakers saying, I disagree, I disagree. Well, was it your experience? Did you find it easy? Or did you encounter disappointments along the way?
2: Well, I think that's a very insightful question and probably the metaphor there is that sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not. And that there are bumps and blips in life as there are with growing things and all, all worthy endeavours. One of the things that I did notice was that everything is easy when you know how to do it, isn't it? So if you're just finding your way to not be disheartened when things don't go perfectly, but to be glad of the process and that you're even able to be well enough to plant seeds to be up to be feeling the soil and the compost all of those things are gifts and privileges and the outcome is absolutely um, not something to put on oneself but you flower you see the the hope the joy the anticipation and then in some ways the reward is beyond your control So you have to learn to enjoy the process, I think. I think there's a great metaphor for life there.
1: Let's be honest. Did you learn to enjoy the process?
2: Well, not very well, (laughs) because probably like everybody, I like instant success. And I don't like delayed gratification. But the problem with long-term conditions and long-term illness, particularly, is that it is one of the greatest teachers of delayed gratification, and uh, you have to learn to save the very tiny treasures of life to stay sane through it, really. Mm-hmm. So I think I've had tremendous successes in certain things. I've had tremendous failures. And um, I try now to not think about outcomes. I always just think, have I done my all? And when I've done my all, it's in God's hands.
1: Now, all those acquainted with your Life Joy program will be more than familiar with your joyous and liberal use of The Sunflower, which figures on almost everything you do, from your social media, Facebook pages, your posts, website, books, and have come to form quite an integral part of your brand. So the question is, who or what inspired your passion for The Sunflower? What's your story here?
2: Well, it's a very endearing one, really, and it it was in such a difficult time in my life and um i had i had glandular fever at 17 i got severe me you know all of life was slowed and stopped and i was very unwell for a very long time and what happens when your life is paused through a you know a situation that's imposed upon you a great restriction and great struggle and suffering is that your friends are vital to you and your family and your loved ones but they also, at that age, are moving on. So all my friends, quite frankly, they weren't overtaking me. They were lapping me. You know, they finished their A-levels. They got their degrees. They got their careers. They were getting their husbands and their wives and their partners and their children. And, you know, I was still stuck. Somebody had pressed pause on me at 17 and a half. And, you know, it took me a year. I had a very long adolescence in that way. So the thing that was really vital to me was how wonderful my friends were. I was so massively fortunate and they would come and go to university they'd come and visit me in the holidays they'd write me letters they'd send me videotapes, which are very old-fashioned things but their thoughtfulness and it really just if somebody sent me a postcard it would change the whole tone of the day and i could read it over and over again and hear their news and just be a little bit part of their world again and I shall be eternally grateful for the visitors and the care that I had because it went on a long time. This wasn't a three week problem and people came to see you in hospital and it was cheery. No, this was long term difficulty, often housebound, often bedridden, often hospital. So, one of my friends who is now a professor was also very tall, which is interesting. And we had been in the county choir together and he had sat behind me as a second bass, and I had been an alto. And his feet were so long, they used to meet where my feet were because he, he always put his legs under my feet. Anyway, we've had a, a long, lovely friendship. And um, my husband is actually six foot three. So when he meets Marcus, who's six foot six, my husband <laughs> said... It's All very
1: tall sunflowers four. then, really. <laughs> it's
2: so funny. But anyway, Marcus met his wife. And Marcus is now a professor and I'm very proud of him. But Marcus met his wife, who I adore. And she is another academic. And she is tiny and full of spark and bounce and joy and intellect and delight. And I I cannot wait to spend time with them. And she came and she brought me two things. And she brought me a huge candle and a packet of sunflower seeds. And they would come. They'd, you know, I'd have a wonderful couple of hours with them. And they'd often be in the front room or in my bedroom. And then it would often take me a week or 10 days to recover from the energy of having visitors. And that's really difficult to understand unless you're very seriously ill. So they would go back to their lives and their big careers and their big adventures and travels, and I'd still be in the bedroom. But Sadat's left me with those seeds and I planted them as soon as I could. I mean, it was weeks and weeks later. They didn't grow very well, but there was just something in me. And then I just got addicted to seeds, really. And um, several years later, I was fortunate to have a greenhouse And it was something that I could do that wasn't heavy gardening, but it was growing. And I gave away millions (laughs) of plants. And I'd go somewhere and my mom would say, we're going to visit somebody. Have you got something I can take them? And I nearly always had a stack of things that were easy to grow. And people were always pleased with them. So the fact that my friend, who had this high-flying career, didn't forget me, came back with seeds. And it was my friend's wife. You know, I, I had... Hardly met her, but I was thrilled that he'd, he'd found her. And the fact that there was just that thoughtfulness, and she said, and she just gave me a little, a, little, a little hug, and she said, this might be a bit of something you could manage. And I remember thinking that was just so profoundly thoughtful. So all of this, every social media post, every bit of website, every book cover, all of those things are because one person who hardly knew me was kind to me. And that's where it, there, where it starts, really.
1: Oh, what a compelling and endearing story. And it just goes to show, all too often, the big differences come from the small things in life. It's apparent you enjoy being in the garden and surrounded by flowers and enjoying feeling the soil against your fingers. Do you come from a line of gardeners? Is gardening in your blood?
2: I do. I do. And I've been very fortunate to have gardening available to me. And uh, I take that as a great uh, privilege. My grandmother was an ardent gardener and my parents were, whilst they were well enough to do it. And there is something so utterly liberating about having fingers in soil and putting something so minuscule and then seeing the possibilities of it. And to see bulbs that you can put in the earth, And they go through all that darkness and endurance and freezing weather, and yet, and they come up, the snowdrops come, the frailest, the most beautiful, the most resilient, and they come at the hardest time of life. So I took great resolve and inspiration from what a tiny bulb can do. And in some ways, if you think about all of us, we're all different kinds of bulbs, but we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to seek the light
1: and bloom a little bit. From acorns, mighty oak trees are formed.
2: Absolutely. I love that analogy. you just got to realise it will take time and there will be gales.
1: Agree. And I think it's the experience that enables us to weather the storms.
2: Exactly. And we can look at past evidence of what we've endured and we can think, well, that felt like it would never end. But somehow we got through. Somehow we made it through those storms and turmoils. And once you have a little bit of that within you, it takes out some of the worry and the sting of the future and it allows you to live really deeply in the current moment. And I, I, I call it future casting with my coaching clients that they said this will happen and then this will happen and I can't and what if, what if? And I said to them, hang on, hang on, You're you're writing a future that hasn't happened yet. You're seeing the worst case scenario. What if we pull that right back to today and just plant the seed, water it, put it in the right place, the right conditions, and see what can come. And it's amazing what the right conditions and some good work can generate.
0: Against the Odds. Celebrating those who have conquered in the face of adversity with Philip Anderson.
1: Now, I'm no expert when it comes to sunflowers. In fact, I was always scared of them as a child. I think it was their weighty pods and sheer enormity that I found the most intimidating. So, when the topic of sunflower came up for this podcast, I must confess to being a little out of my depth. Research was required. Transpired, I found the facts more intimidating than I did the sunflower. There are over 70 variety of sunflower, ranging from miniatures to giants. Tall sunflowers can grow up to 15 feet, while miniatures 2 to 3 feet. Although the tallest recorded sunflower was over 30 feet, 30 feet one inch to be precise, courtesy of a Hans-Peter Scheifer, and I'm sure our German listeners will correct me on the pronunciation of that, which made it into the Guinness Book of Records. So Rebecca, when it comes to sunflower variety, which do you prefer, the giants or the miniatures?
0: I
2: like the really tall ones. I, I can't... Uh that The <laughs> funny thing about it is, though, that I have um, tried the smaller ones, but I haven't done very well with them. But I've been given them and I've bought them for people. Right. But there's something really glorious about the boldness of that height. And um, when I was a little girl, I was always the tallest in my class, or certainly one of them. And um, I was effusive and probably a bit too loud and a bit too impetuous. But that was not cherished. So I, I felt that if, if I were smaller I would be more acceptable. And now I talk to my clients about owning their space that in which they're given an inhabit and that their head is up, their chin is up, and that they're perfectly legitimate in being proud of their height or whatever height they are. So I think there's something about having your head up and seeking the light that just draws me back and back and back to 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 just seeing them and, and, and the colour and the vibrancy and the un you know, the audacious joy of being up there looking for what we can do and being part of something bigger. So I use metaphor and analogy all the time, but they keep feeding my soul and that filters out in the books and the coaching, I
1: think. I love the analogies and metaphor you use there. That whole idea of owning one space, I find rather impressive. And I think that's important for us all, that we're all individuals and we all have our right on the planet and therefore it should be right and proper that we own our own space. Now I know you've said you've worked with one or two of the smaller variety of sunflower. Which of these have you tried? The double dandy, elf, uh, firecracker, little pom-pom and the sunbright supreme. I certainly think
2: I've done three of those. I've done Dandy, I've done Firecracker, and I've done Bright. I shall explore the others. The business of a firecracker. Oh, my goodness. Even the name sounded joyous. <laughs> I just, I there was something invigorating about it. And the blaze of glory from that, you know, the colour of it. But ironically, I've probably given away more sunflower seeds. I've probably given away tens of thousands of seeds over the years.
1: Um, yes, you sent is- me a lovely pack. Did I? Did I? You did, for one of your events, yes.
2: Oh, I'd forgotten about that. I'm so pleased. I think there's just something so lovely about the potential in that tiny little gift. As my health improved, I worked for 10 years as a Christian celebrant, Mm. so I have taken nearly a 1,000 loving funeral services. And once you've done that, you are often, um, I hope, stretched in your humanity and understanding of grief and suffering and love and hurt and joy But you're also surrounded by flowers. I observed very carefully people's choices and I observed the choices where people didn't have flowers. I observed the greenery and the lushness of it all, and the reverence and the respect. You know, we have flowers at weddings, we give them gifts, we grow them. Took it took hours and hours to make up little packets to give out after services. But more and more I noticed that well when i'd done a service especially for a situation that was utterly difficult and utterly unjust and tragic was that if i gave out a packet of sunflower seeds to everybody who came and often that was a lot of seeds that there was something of a tiniest tiniest amount of hope in their pocket and that they could take that home and then one of the most profound things that used to happen was six months later i'd get a, a message or a photo from somebody i didn't know and they had been in one of those services and they had planted their seeds and they were showing me their homework. They were showing me what was possible six months down the line. They were showing me that they hadn't forgotten that I spent hours and getting sore joints putting those seeds together and that there was some worth in a tiny drop of effort. So I think where we use our gifts of nature are so part of our human story. You know, what wedding flowers do you have? What do you send when somebody's unwell? What do you send when somebody's departed? What do you grow yourself? What do you have on your casket? These things are all very profound. So the sunflower for me is about the joy of life and the, the hope of it all. But ironically, I didn't have sunflowers either for my wedding bouquet or for my mother's funeral. We had cream roses because there was a kind of very simple dignity to them. And I wanted to save the sunflowers just for work and progress.
1: And what I feel you were describing there was something very profound, namely the power of human connection made through the giving and receiving of flowers. And you were certainly doing that through the generous donation of those sunflower seeds. And the power of human connection made through the giving and receiving of flowers is something I would like to explore a little bit later on.
0: If you have a story of your own to share, or you would like to be involved with the podcast in some other way, email info at against Or, for more ways to listen and to submit a guest request ticket online, visit againsttheoddspodcast.com
1: Let us pause for a moment for more of our listeners' favourite flowers. Earlier we heard from Anna with her hydrangea, Alison with her peony, one of my favourites, and Jessica with the sunflower, one of Rebecca's favourite flowers. What's it to be next? Let's find out. My name is Patricia Houghton and my favourite flower is the snowdrop, which flowers at the harshest time of year, symbolising hope. Hello. Hello.
2: My name is Frances, and my favourite flower is the sweet pea. My name's Christine, and my favourite flower has to be the sunflower.
1: Another great selection there. Thank you very much indeed. And you can hear the final selection of listeners' favourite flowers towards the end of the podcast. And staying with favourite flowers for a moment, my thanks to all of you who've sent in your favourite flower pics to accompany the favourite flower audio recordings. It's inspired me, in fact, to create a favourite flower picture gallery over on the uh, Against the Arts podcast website. Um, It will comprise all your favourite pics, along with those excellent captions you very kindly sent in. Which I feel capture the very essence of your relationship with the plant and will doubtless serve as a huge inspiration to other fellow plant enthusiasts and newbies, perhaps thinking of planting for the first time. So thank you very much indeed.
0: Against the Odds, celebrating those who have conquered in the face of adversity with Philip Anderson.
1: Now, earlier in the podcast, Rebecca, we were talking about the different varieties of sunflowers, from the giants to the miniatures, and you were saying how you much prefer the uh, giant sunflowers to the small ones. Well, within the miniatures, there is a particular sunflower which will interest you because it goes by the name of... Can you guess what it is?
2: I I wouldn't dare guess. Is it joy? No. Go on, go on, tell me. More closer
1: to home than that.
2: I don't know. Go on.
1: All right, I'll tell you. It's Little Becca. Never. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. (laughs) (laughs) You could have invented that yourself.
2: I, I, there, now, there is a coincidence. I am, that is joyous and it's entertaining because... I often tell clients and it's so funny that you've mentioned this. I said, think about yourself when you were bold and wonderful and joyous and confident when you were little and the world had not bowed your shoulders. And I said, go back and be proud of that little one and just take some more of that little one with you in every day and take everybody with you who was kind to that little one. And I think about that army of people on whose shoulders you stand. So I think little Becca, I, sh- I shall take that because I had um, grubby knees. Somebody else's dress on and a ripped cardigan. <laughs> I shall take that with
1: me. <laughs> well, that's your tomboy sort of image, though, isn't it? It was.
2: I was well, I try not to be scruffy now, but it was really hard when I was little.
1: Well, it's described as having big heads with bright red petals and yellow tips. And again, this is an interesting phrase. And it's known as a cut flower powerhouse. Oh,
2: now that is such a good description. I'm not too keen on the big head, but I like a powerhouse. <laughs> um, here's another amazing little miracle about conversations: is that I often say to people, when you put intelligence, integrity, and industriousness together, you become a powerhouse of goodness. And I think a powerhouse of goodness, wherever we can be, even if, even if it's cor- courage in your suffering, even if it's endurance in difficulties, that that what that is what makes the world just a bit better. Be a powerhouse of goodness. Be a vigilante for it.
1: Now, earlier in the podcast, Rebecca, we touched on the power of human connections made through the receiving of those sunflower seeds way back 20 years ago, uh, when you were at the height of your fight against uh, me, and um, what a transformation those seeds had on you and your life little did you know at the time it would have be an integral part of your life joy program today and it got me wondering whether there have been any occasions where great human connections through the giving and receiving of flowers this time have been made in your life that you can share with us
2: yes i mean i've had I- i 've had some profound moments, two or three about uh, when i was i mean I was at the peak of illness, probably when I was about twenty, and um, I had so many flowers we literally could hardly move through our hallway and uh, bouquets and boxes, and I think people thought i'd had it really. There were moments of generosity there, and from people who didn 't have much money had still tried yes and two things that had happened, particularly through funerals, ironically, was that um The day my mother died, the person we know who has least money and has the hardest life was the first person who sent us some flowers. And I was so heartbroken that they spent the money on the flowers, but I was also so appreciative of their dignity and their generosity. And there was just, it was humbling. And really, the other moments I've had, I've had so many where I've seen people go and look at funeral bouquets, pick a flower out, and give it to somebody. And I think. There are moments that we carry our loved ones forward with those tiny gestures. And um, I've also had people you know, give me a part of that, which was, you know, save savored their goodness so much. But I used to say at the start of every service, I used to say that we cherish the blessings and the lessons of our loved ones lives and we carry them forward. So I think even if it's a symbol of a flower or a seed or whatever these things are, there's always great metaphor for how do I cope? Who am I? What can I give and how can I just leave my bit of sunflower impression on the world?
1: And in reflecting on the 20 years you've spent uh, working with sunflowers, uh, planting and sharing seeds, etc., what would you say you've learned from the experience? What does it taught you?
2: Well, I thought a lot about this, about, the sunflower and how the images of it are used both in my life and work, because it's so profoundly, I think, identified with me amongst my people now. And I didn't know whether to have the, si- the seaside or the lighthouse or the lifeboat or the beach. I have, you know, I have great love of the sea, but the core point of a sunflower was that it, it was essentially accessible to almost everybody. Whereas not everybody can get to the sea. And I think ultimately, What it shows me is that they are tall, they are golden, they seek the light, and occasionally they need support. But sometimes, if you see a sunflower in a field of sunflowers, and for me, this is the most profound part, they're doing their part, they're holding themselves up, they're seeking the light, but there is great support amongst the other flowers for them. And if there were ever a metaphor for our goodness and our endurance, I think that's it. So that's why I loved it. I talk a lot to clients about. You know, somebody's being the lifeboat for you, or you're the lifeboat, or be the lighthouse in this situation, or know that there are rough seas. But I think the analogy of the sunflower is probably the most uh,
1: helpful to me. And you've been described as Earth, as the Earth Angel, which could oh. be, which could be the Queen amongst sunflowers.
2: Well, that's a very kind. And unexpected statement. Um, I don't know about that, but I think there's a reality is that we are angels for one another. We are one another's answered prayers. We are the blessing, but we're also looking always to count our blessings with, within the work that I do. And I think ultimately we forget our successes very easily, and we very easily forget the help that's come our way, and we sort of say thank you quickly and phew, and then it's on to the next thing. Well. If you just ponder and think about the successes that you've had, however small they are, even if you've got up, got dressed, fed, washed, had a structured day, done some work, seen some people, moved around, had choices, eaten wisely, had enough water, all the things that I'm talking to clients about all the day, every day, is that that's an immense gift because lots of people can't do those things. And as soon as you start seeing wherever your functioning level is as a privilege, you're suddenly much more capable, much more powerful, and much more peaceful. I'm always thinking about peace of mind and peace of body. But really, I think that starts from peace from the soul. And that starts from appreciation that we're very fortunate to be here. And if things are difficult, we ask ourselves the question, what can I do to make it a bit less bad?
1: Ah, oh, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story with us today. I've learned a great deal from your experience, and I'm sure listeners will say the same.
2: Thank you so much.
1: If you'd like more information on today's programme, just head over to the Against the Odds website or wherever it is you happen to consume your media we will also find further information on how you can contact the program and request to be a guest. And just before we go, we do have time to squeeze in the final set of your favourite flower recordings. My thanks to all of you who have contributed to this show. Whatever it is you're doing, do it safely. Until next time, bye-bye.
0: Hello, my
2: name is Fliss and my favourite flower is the daisy. Hello, my name's Wendy and my favourite flower is the daffodil. Hi, my name's Rach. My favourite flowers are orchids, particularly the miniature ones.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of Against the Odds a bi-monthly motivational podcast celebrating the lives of those who have conquered in the face of adversity, produced and presented by Philip Francis Anderson. Whether you have a story of your own to share or you would like to be involved with the podcast in some other way, email info at againsttheoddspodcast.com or visit www.againsttheoddspodcast.com for more information and to submit a guest request ticket. This podcast is the property of Philip Francis Anderson. All rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited other than the following. We welcome you to download and play the podcast and share with others for personal use. Please acknowledge Against the Odds motivational podcast as the source of the material. You may not, except with our expressed written permission, distribute or commercially exploit the content.